Hey, this is Matt Monahan. Uh, today we have Dan and Juliana Reyes, who's the lead reporter for Technically Philly, which is a news blog about uh, different tech startups in, in different uh, geographical uh, verticals. So we've got Philadelphia, Baltimore, um, I think there may be a Delaware and D.C. Um, we're going to have to check with her, but this is really interesting. I'm glad you're here. All right, guys, welcome back. This is uh, episode 14 of the Mercenary Podcast. Uh, we've got Dan, uh, as usual, myself, Matt, and Juliana Reyes, uh, from who's the lead reporter for Technically Philly. Um, we've known each other for the last, I want to say, like three years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, three. Uh, three years. Um, it's very timely because I'm ecstatic about uh, an article that she just wrote about uh, a Philly startup called Brand.com, which uh, sort of seems to have imploded on itself um, for good reason, uh, if, if the, the facts in your article are correct. Um, <laughs> and it, it just seems to, what's, what's really funny was that uh, it seems to have touched off this kind of like Philly comment war about like, oh, should we want to see more stories like this? Like, how, how, criti- how critical should we be of these? Philadelphia startups, and I, I think it's like a really, really good conversation to have. Um, so, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Um, now, Dan, I did want to just kind of ask you, like, what was your imp- like? If, did you you, re- you read the article? I did. Yeah. What, what was your impression? Like, well, there's two parts of it, right? There's the article itself, and then there's sort of the aftermath of it, right? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's almost more interesting. Um, I guess Juliana, in terms of the of what led to sort of their downfall, um, do you want to talk more about that, or sort of like not like the backlash, but sort of how it all went down afterwards? Sure. So, what led to their downfall is still. I mean, I think I would say it's still sort of mysterious because we never got the final word from the company itself, and we. Ta- I got to talk to one of the co-founders. Um, and he didn't have too much to say because he said that he stepped away from the company, like, in the last year. Um, but, yeah, basically they were this online reputation management company that got this big sort of um, buzzy welcome from the mayor when they moved here from Westchester, which is out in the suburbs. Um, so the mayor's been welcoming all these tech companies that have been moving from the suburbs into the city and they opened this big office uh, in Center City, and they had 120 employees, and so they were going to be hiring, like, 100 more. Um, and basically in a year and a half, it looked like they laid laid everyone off and that they shut down their Philly office, and they were selling their domain, Brand.com, which they bought for $500,000. Um, and so what led to it, I guess... The, most people said that it was this, they pivoted from online reputation management to uh, content marketing or basically like they're acting sort of like a PR firm where they people would pay them to write stories, like reporters that they had on, like contract workers that would write these stories and they would place them in news outlets. That was like what they were trying to pivot to because Google had done an update of its algorithms and it was making it hard to do 
this online reputation management. This, so to give you like an idea of like the reputation management uh, thing is basically you're someone or you're a company that has someone is commenting uh, on the internet about you. And then when you Google yourself, it's, it's coming up. So like, this is, you know, could be a politician who, or who's someone who's running for office that ha- has had some bad business dealing or something like that. Um, and so when you Google for that person's name, you see a whole bunch of things that, that they probably don't want you to see. So what they do is they just, the only, you can't remove that stuff. You can try to ask someone to remove that, but for the most part, whatever's on you the internet You need to bury there. it, right? You just you, you bury it bur- with more yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I've is- seen that a little bit. I, I actually had a vendor on something where who I, I won't name and won't get into, but I've experienced this a little bit where I had a vendor I work with, and they and they had um, I've had great experiences with them, but their Google Plus account had been hijacked <laughs> by someone who had a very bad review, and you know I was like, well, I'm not gonna, you know, you can't get rid of that. So sure, I'll write it. I I hate Google Plus, but I will write a, a good review. Just try and back you up. So I, I can, I've kind of experienced that a little bit. I never hired somebody to clean up something like that, but I, I kind of, I, I can understand that. Mm. So but I guess, and that, I guess it worked for a little while. And then once Google changed their, their algorithm, everything they were doing just stopped working immediately. Yeah. It was funny. They actually like, I don't know, it's maybe like six months ago. They actually got like penalized by Google, so like they were like they had to clean up their online reputation as well. So they were like, um, they were emailing companies asking, like they emailed us asking us to like get rid of a link to their website, like on our like from a story of ours. And so that was sort of what like set me off on this. I think that's sort of like one one of the first sort of warning signs that I was like, hmm, this is strange. No, I know. I know. We love. We always like to think on this podcast. Uh, the big Ponzi scheme themed uh, podcast. You know, it's because in reading the article, it kind of you, you delve into this a little bit. But I guess, and not really knowing how this business works or other comps, do you guys think that this business was a good idea that was set up to fail, or was there something even more nefarious going on where suddenly it was never going to work and by sinking so much money into some of the big stuff, like the brand.com domain and other things, it was more of a cash grab and people just got out and then just left. Hmm. Well, I think it was both, right? I feel like... Yeah, I there, think it was both. Yeah, like there was there is a desire for this service as shown by their existence and like other sorts of online reputation management companies. And, you know, like anytime... <laughs> we're in the world and like people are going to do maybe not so good things and people are going to write about them. There's always going to be this like desire to have a, a squeaky clean image online. Um, but yeah, $500,000 for a domain, maybe that's not the best way to spend your capital. <laughs> yeah. Cause it just seems like they like, again, I don't really know on the tech side and Matt, cause you did SEO and, and a little bit and, I mean, do you th- do you buy the whole fact that Google? I know Google changes their stuff all the time, but do you buy yeah. that as a, as a reason why? Yeah, their that. whole business is irrelevant. I mean, what? Why would yeah. they? Because that ha- <laughs> it's it's not the first time that has happened where they'll change something about their algorithm that just like takes out something that was a strategy that worked previously that just doesn't work anymore. Like hmm. that that happens, and you see that with other businesses. You see it with I mean, you see with Twitter and Facebook, they'll turn their API off 
for specific businesses that they don't like or businesses that they're going to build a competitor competitor to like um right like uh, meerkat which is this video streaming twitter thing it's just like you post a link on your twitter and you can video stream from your phone um they were at south by southwest and with two hours notice twitter just was like all right we're turning off uh the graph api to your app i don't know what the exact implication implication is there i guess they can't post things or something i don't know but, tw- but it's like twitter just Instagram. did that immediately yeah, it's like how Instagram is clearly a better photo sharing service than Twitter, but Twitter just doesn't allow you to post Instagram through Twitter anymore because yeah. because of that, and it's really a pain. <laughs> it's like it's such a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, so it just seems like such a house of cards to build your business off of something that is in the hands of a third party, because it's almost like it's almost like Google is is being treated as a utility that's just like unregulated and they just sort of changed the rules of the game midway. And this company was just totally screwed. Yeah. Uh, The thing I wanted to to ask you, Juliana was, was like, so we've talked in the past about, you know, any kind of like negative press that appears on technically Philly. And I, and I think, um, there was a comment I wanted to read part of that kind of underscores that like, I would say the coverage that technically provides is is like mostly very positive. Would you agree with that? I don't know. I don't know if I would agree with that. I mean, positive meaning like compared to the Philadelphia Daily News, which is like a lot of like crime news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess like which no, is ridiculous. We're not, co- <laughs> we're not yeah. covering murders, um, but I wouldn't say. Like, yeah, I I guess it's a good question. I think it's, like, tough because we're not saying, like, congratulations to this company for existing, but we are saying, like, oh, this company exists and uh, here's what they do and here's how they make money and, like... Yeah, I do. But there's... Yeah. Oh, I guess I wanted to... I just wanted to applaud that you guys took on a a very, like... um, it's, it's a very honest take on a company that just like didn't work out, and there's like there's some scandal up to it. And, you know, like I'm reading it. I unfortunately, I or I guess fortunately, I, I don't really know anyone that worked for the company, um, but it's very interesting. Like I I I read the the entire article and was like, this is really interesting that this happened in Philadelphia, and I found myself wondering, like I I wish you guys were a lot more articles just like this. Um, but, I mean, I guess there's a downside. You can't just be, like, going around looking to talk trash all the time. Yeah, you guys yeah. are not the gawker, not the gawker of, of, of tech news, <laughs> which is, you know, obviously something to avoid. Um, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. we're definitely not the gawker of, of Philly tech news. Um, but it doesn't mean, yeah, like, I would say I don't shy away from, like, negative stories. Like, if that's happening, then that's something, like, we're going to cover. So we're going to cover a company if it's, like, failing, but we're also going to cover a company, like, if it's succeeding or if it's, like, raising money or if they're, like, hiring a bunch of people. Yeah. Matt, it seems like you're getting to the point that, like, usually, not that people are so surprised. It's just that in Philadelphia, people are very inherently cynical, and it's almost like, you know, there's sort of a progression, right? It's... Oh, film studio opened up in Philadelphia. Oh, film studio <laughs> might not be coming. Oh, film studio done. People are just like that'll never failed. work. Yeah, and then people yeah. are like, I "Told you, <laughs> I told yeah, you it no, wasn't going to work." And like this company, it's like, oh, the company company moving there. Oh, company failed, or it's like, 
but no, I think I think what you're what you're saying too is that this sort of had the middle ground of being something. This this article, I think, was a pretty fair take on something that we don't quite know the whole story. But this kind of thing happens to tech companies all the time, and it, I think it was a it was sort of a. There's an interesting article recently. I forget where it was about a writer who had written a few things, but he was he was completely broke and he had to live out of his car for a while. And in Los Angeles, and I think a lot of people responded to that article because, you know, you always have articles about people getting their big break and you always have articles about people winning awards and stuff. But you don't have like real articles about people who, you know, it's like I sold something three years ago and I'm not, I can't live off of that anymore. You, know, you never I, I always applaud articles that have that are sort of like real takes on either people or companies in transition because people don't usually like to talk about that. Yeah. 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 I think like for all the talk about failure in like the startup world, I think a lot of people, at least in my experience, like don't want to talk about it. They like they're not ready to talk about it for like a year or two. Um, And so I think a lot of it also is like, yeah, like to what point is a failure a story? So if you're like, I don't know, starting a side project and you're like, here's my app and then like no one downloads it and like. I like, is it really a story that, like, that, you know, that thing failed? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so, so there's, like, there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, I, I get that. And, like, you don't, the, nobody needs, like, that doesn't benefit anyone. It's not interesting. It's not, like, you know, the, the person who, who failed didn't really, probably might not have even learned anything from it, you know. Like, so I can understand. Yeah, you don't want to, like, um, just write those kinds of stories for the sake of writing them. What do you guys think, um as you're both in the, in the Philly tech scene to play sort of to do the postmortem on this, Matt, what do you take away from it? If you would start a new company, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. The article reads sort of like a, a manifest of things that on the surface appear great. You know, there's a picture of the mayor with a, uh, the CEO or whatever, with a t-shirt there's the, they, they got the former governor Ed Rendell to be on their board. It's almost like they, it's almost like they picked all these cliche things they could do. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then they, and then it kind of all fell apart. What did you take away as something that you, not that you would learn from it, but um... I, so there's a kind of like there's a criticism I have of Philly, not really so much the tech scene, but just Philly in general. Um, that there's you just don't hear about these like uh, you just don't get this kind of like feeling, this like manic feeling where you just every it's almost like watching like. Do you remember when we were we, we we lived together? We were watching like Entourage and later on like How to Make It in America, where there's this like feeling that everything is happening and like you know like um, there's one company that's blowing up, there's another one that's completely like a disaster, and it's really interesting. Like you've got the good things happening and the bad things happening, and it just seemed like for the longest time uh, in Philly that there was. There was a little bit happening, and it was, and everyone was kind of, you know, unsure about like what the tech scene's doing, and what happens from that is like everyone kind of pats themselves on the back, regardless of how well they're doing, and it's, it's just like you, not you that all interesting. Got a trophy. It's like you all got a trophy yeah, for playing it feels soccer. Like that. It feels like that, and it's and it's like, well, that's kind of boring, and you want to hear like who like who are the heroes, like who are the villains. You want to have this story that you're a part of. And if the story is just, well, everyone gets a trophy at the end of the day, it's, that's not like a very compelling story that you'd want to be in. You know what I mean? And I feel like stories like this kind of make you feel like, all right, well, here's, here's the villain. Here's the hero. Um, 
this is an interesting story to be a part of in this city. And I just, I want to see more of that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the snark in the, the snark in the comments is pretty amazing, though. Would, uh, Juliana, did it have the response that you were hoping for? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, it was it was cool to see like people talking in the comments. And it doesn't happen that often in our stories. So to get like this outpouring of uh, former employees and things like that, and Fifty Shades of Technically Philly, which someone uh, commented was <laughs> that th- that was fun. Um, yeah, I was gonna say whenever Technically Philly posts our uh, our podcast, not many people are commenting, but this article. This article had a lot of people content, commenting. I, I like the one about um, as a company that represented disgraced cult leaders, sex offenders, and white-collar criminals, there was always a sort of dark humor about when this sort of thing would happen. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. Um, yeah. No, it's, there, there's this, definitely this is also levels. like – these comments are also extremely restrained. Like they're – Usually, you look at the comments, and ninety percent of them are just bashing the author, right? <laughs> People are actually or, like saying good reporting, <laughs> or yeah. But comment sections usually devolve into like <laughs> the, the, you know the libertarian person shows up, like somebody else shows up, and it turns into uh, everybody's you know, a racist it, all of a sudden, every, right? Everyone's a, a truther. It turns into it gets. There's no. I don't think there's one truther comment here. I, I don't know. I feel like uh, it usually happens. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting view of, of what the tech scene is. I feel like we, we were talking about Silicon Beach and, and other centers outside of uh, like San Francisco as, as like a tech scene. Do you think this is sort of like a because it's within the bubble of this or do you think this thing happens all the time and no one really talks about it? Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know, Matt, you tell me. I feel like this kind of thing hasn't happened uh, at this at this level in Philly, I don't. Like, I I've mean, reading, but... <laughs> I, I don't often see a, a company just go down, and then you see there's a comment here where it's just like, um, there were things that happened that were straight out of the movies. Although I can't be too explicit without giving my away my identity. Let's just say drugs. <laughs> How often? I don't hear that a lot. I'll be honest with you. What I do hear a lot though is like companies that are doing kind of shady stuff. And um, stuff that like probably makes a lot of money, but is 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 is, is like not really uh, totally on the level. But they're like, but they're companies that you hear about, and I, I don't know. I don't know whose responsibility it is to kind of like kind of poke holes at those companies, or even if you should do it at all. But this it, just reads like this reads like an American Greed uh, episode. It's amazing. Um, it, it says. Or the time when former CEO Zamutu was was the victim of an alleged five hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin extortion scheme. Yeah, I mean, this article has everything. Yes, <laughs> where the blackmailers threatened to smear the reputation of his own company, which is just classic to be a reputation, uh, <laughs> be a preservation company, and have your own entanglements. It's great. Um, so, Juliana, what other stuff do you usually write about on technically? So, so we cover the Philly tech scene exclusively. Um, so that can be, you know, companies, venture capital. Uh, I also like to do a lot of government, like government reporting. So, like, you know, how the police are using technology, or like what the city's like tech department is doing to release data and things like that. 
is it, would you say the city of Philadelphia is very technically savvy, or, or are they gaining are they gaining speed in that direction, or are they not? Yeah, they have a pretty progressive open data policy um, that was released three years ago. I think it was now. Um, so we, can, we got a chief data officer, and they've been releasing a lot of data. I mean, there's still a lot of like, you know, infrastructure problems like. Our police officers still use typewriters to do certain things, and like I, lo- I love that. Wait, isn't there, there's a budget item that is like fifty thousand dollars on typewriter maintenance in yeah. the budget? <laughs> yeah, t- typewriters white out stuff like that. But you know, they're getting somewhere. That seems really efficient. <laughs> um, they're getting better. They're getting better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so Matt, have you? Was there anything from your previous article, uh, your previous companies mentioned in in technically Philly, or, or is it, was that not the case? Because I feel like this sort of reads like Wolf of Wall Street, kind of. Um, but I feel like your your former companies, though the activity may have been in that space, I feel like it never it never made the the pages of this uh, this online magazine. <laughs> no, I, I think um, I think we were, what we were doing was always on the level. Wait. Julian, wait. About Jarvis, or are you talking about RJ Metrics? <laughs> both, both. I mean, there's there's nothing but positive things you could write about either of those companies. Is there something I should know, Dan? Uh, yeah, no. I, th- I think Matt's <laughs> response, which sounds like his lawyer prepared it, uh, is well, that will certainly suffice. I think there's nothing, there's nothing that you know, the bad that could be said about either of those. <laughs> what, um, what kind of response could I possibly give other than that? Yeah, so, oh, think, well, uh, you know, uh, these yeah. companies, uh, I don't know. No, we're good. Is there, has there been evidence of, is there like a major company outside, like from Silicon Valley or somewhere else that's moved? Obviously, when I think of, of Philly, I think of Comcast. Um, has there been a huge company that's moved there for incentives or what is that environment like right now? Yeah, I mean, there haven't been... There's like, there have been a slew of health IT companies that have moved here from the West Coast or have opened an office here because of Safeguard Scientifics, who's like a big investor, venture capitalist here. But I can't say, yeah, there hasn't been just like a huge company that's moved. I mean, we've seen mostly sub, like suburb companies moving into the city. That's you know, been the main I mean, thing. Like another twist on that is like, I, I guess I never really thought about this, but like, has there been, you know, maybe some company in Philly uh, that does one thing and then had somewhere somebody else, like from Silicon Valley, just show up and like start eating a lunch or like start competing head to head? That'd be a great thing to see. Like if there was, let's say, if there was like an Uber competitor that had started in Philly that had to compete with Uber, I would love mm-hmm. to watch that happen. You mean like Philly Car Share? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there is so yeah. I guess there's this like mobile payment startup called Nooch that's like trying to go head to head with Venmo. Okay, and Venmo but, was a Philly thing too. Yeah, they was started it? here. Like uh, their founders are at Penn, but they moved to New York. Yeah, is that sort of what happens? I mean, is it is there is there sort of a thing where you know a lot of times I talk to uh, to writers and people always think well you can write from anywhere but ultimately you sort of have to be in Los Angeles because most of the work that writers get is actually not on stuff that they sell but 
you know, they have to sort of pitch and, and do stuff for what, what are called open assignments. And, and a lot of times it's stuff that will never get made, but, you know, they get paid to do rewrites and all that kind of stuff. And so you, to be a writer, you have to do that. And you have to be in L.A. Is it the kind of thing where is there a ceiling in Philadelphia where a company can only be there so long before of that? Or is that before before needing to go to New York or San Francisco? Or is that just sort of a perceived notion? Yeah, I think we've seen that change in, like, the last five years, like, um, maybe, like, five years before that, like, there were a lot of companies that were sort of shipping off to New York because they felt like the scene here wasn't enough because, like, there were investors elsewhere. But recently, there's been a handful of companies that are, like, no, we're here because, like, we want to be here. We want to, like, grow the scene here. We're committed to it. I mean, Matt works for one of them. Um, there's also, like, DuckDuckGo. There's Monetate. There's um, Curlate. Those are just a couple of, like, the big players in our scene who are just, like, committed to Philly. So I think they're, like, I don't know, raising that ceiling, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it seems like I mean, New York obviously is, is tremendously expensive to have any kind of office space. But is is it sort of a? I definitely get like the the curate the the scene there. But like, does the scene actually matter? I mean, Matt, can you speak to that? Like, would you? What what, what would it take for you to move? Like, if you ran RJ or had your own startup that you were completely in charge of, what would it take for you to move there? Or is it just sort of there are cooler bars to go to? Or like, what is what does that actually mean? I mean, if you have the kind of company that, let's say you're a consumer, like let's say you're trying to create like some kind of mobile app or something like that, Philly's a really difficult place to do it. Um, it's a difficult place to get funding for something that is like, maybe you're not bringing in a ton of revenue uh, up front. You're like, you're just trying to get a ton of users. Um, and also, it's hard to, to get people that are... Um, that are going to use it. Like if you're in uh, an environment like Silicon Valley where there's just tons and tons of people that are going to try every new app and you got to talk to every single uh, investor, like that's the place to do it. So like for that particular kind of situation, if I was starting to like consumer app, not here's probably not the best place to do it. But if you're trying to do like a B2B thing, it's, and then Bob's Bob, our CEO says this a lot and it's true. Like, is we we aren't like making house calls to to our customers, um, for the most part, especially to to pitch or or sell them. So like, as long as we're getting our name out there, um, we can be here. And, and I will say like we spend, uh, like Bob and and some of the executives will go out to the West Coast and they'll spend time with the investors. Uh, a lot of our customers end up kind of indirectly coming through introductions and stuff like that uh, aside from our, like our marketing. So like I feel like what you can put your headquarters here and then just send somebody out to, to, to like these places where there's just a high concentration. It's, it, I guess that's kind of what makes it different is just like you can still, you can execute anywhere in the world. Like, you know, you could do it from Philly, you could do it from like Singapore, you could, you know, and, and you could just kind of like fly people around um, I think it, it is kind of, I think what, what Bob and Jake, when they first started the company by themselves in Collingswood, New Jersey, was kind of like quite a feat because it, it's difficult to like just do that from, from like 
from nothing and when you don't have that kind of kind of concentration um so it's it's kind of the thing where like if you could get something started here that's awesome you get something started somewhere else like go somewhere where you have to deal with that density uh and that like really gives you an advantage but then you can bring it back here and just build out your team for way cheaper than like so that means you can raise less money give up less of your your company that's completely fine I think the next step that people haven't been able to really nail, but it's like it's a growing thing, has been the, like the fully remote company. Some companies like Thirty Seven Signals, they make Basecamp. Well, actually, they're called Basecamp now. Zapier, um, Buffer, the 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 tweet scheduler, they're like almost all remote, and that's like they have people all over the world. That's really hard to pull off. Actually, it's... I should say this DuckDuckGo as well. I mean, they're a Philly company. They have. Um, they have a number of people that are uh, mostly. I think they have a couple people in the in Europe, but most people are just dispersed around the U.S. And um, it's difficult. It's difficult to make that work. Would you want to work for a company that was like fully remote like that? If if we could make it work, yeah. And I also I, like at RJ, I make it a point to do remote things. Like if we do a stand up. Um, Sometimes we do them face-to-face, but sometimes we just do them remotely. Like, everyone will do them from home. Or everyone will just do that. will sit at their desk at RJ and just do them from um, from their desk. So they just kind of say what they're going to do today or what they did yesterday. So I try to make it so that it's – you always have the option to do this kind of, like, remote thing. But that's different, though, right? Like, that's – I mean, like, would you want to work for a company where – I don't know. You didn't. You like didn't see everyone most of the time, and you didn't know. You didn't know everyone. Like rather than just having the option to like do a meeting from your house, sometimes I feel like that would change things a lot. Like the feeling of the company, the culture. Yeah, like, that's the hardest part. Would and you're asking me specifically, would I do it? I would give it a shot. Um, but I do understand that like it's very. You have to be very. It's hard to build culture when you have people in the same room. And it's harder, way harder to build culture when they're not in the same room. I think it'll be really hard for me to do it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. There's, there's, there's a movie that I might do uh, in Colombia soon, and I, by Colombia I mean South America, not District of. And uh, <laughs> I, I like even getting that together is uh, might be difficult. But I think that I don't know. It also just like the stupid nature of what I do when you're looking at edits and you're doing something in New York and then it was in LA and then just getting people in the room. Um, I just consider with subjective uh, things like when, when not, not that everything's subjective, but with, 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 when you, when you're making something that kind of creative too, like subjectivity is so high that it's really tough to pin people down because uh, you have to be watching the same thing to get that. Like uh, a friend of ours worked at a house, like a trailer cutting house. Like they make trailers for, for movies. Um, and what would happen would be like they get the movie, they would get like a brief, and then they would, a lot of their money was like spent on the technology that was used to do all of like the simultaneous get everybody who was who's in different countries together and stream video to demo the stuff. And there was just like so they had like T T one T three whatever. Um, uh, like internet that had to be super duper fast and was really expensive. They had like these sound setups that were really intense and like these video setups to stream all this stuff because you couldn't do it over the web because it had to be too big. Like 
that's like a tremendous expense and this company made it worth it to do it and for the web like phone conferencing still sucks like we're doing this podcast via skype and it's like it's pretty good but it's it could be better um doing conference calls is is such a pain yeah we actually so we have like four remote employees because we're in five different markets and like we have one reporter in every city that we're in and like we have um, once a month we have like an all team meeting, and yeah, the conference calls you know they're not they're not the greatest. Yeah, it, like that technology will get better, and as it does, I think it'll be easier. Because right now it's just like oh god, I got to get on a, a Skype call, and it might bug out or something like that. If, especially if they're in another country, or it's like uh, I got to get on Join Me, and hopefully we're not gonna have any problems. But when that eventually just becomes like. You're not going to have any problems. It's going to be fine. Like, then you, you don't dread it, so you do it more often. And I think and I, Skype's gotten a lot better, though. I mean, no, I know. It certainly has. I've, under full disclosure, I've done content for them. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Just the fact that you, I basically just use it as a text service, a text rather, for some people that I know who, who work a lot with it and that they're in the UK and it's just like, I can just text them. I mean, it, it, I mean, that's obviously it's, that's an obvious point, but just even using Skype to text people in other countries where I could use a different service, but it's pretty simple to do so. Even that is way, is a way better situation than what it would have been, you know, eight years ago. Oh, so, um, so, so I, I guess it's like, if you really embrace the technology and people are very proactive, the technology is going to get better. If you embrace it, then it's it's definitely it's possible to do it and then i think to deal with the culture thing is like you just need to you need to talk a lot and then you need to have scheduled um get-togethers like find ways it might not be everybody but you like find different ways to, to get people in the same room just to hang out and it, it can be done yeah i mean the whole the whole thing about like bubbles whether it's the silicon valley bubble or like the la film bubble you know working I just find that dichotomy really interesting. Whether or not you're you're there and you're in it, but like you're if you're outside of it, you can't. Although you can do everything that you could do in it, you just can't really operate within it. And what I mean by that is, like you know, today I had a meeting in Santa Monica, then I went to this edit in Beverly Hills, but it's also close to this, so I was able to stop by that. And you can just I could have done all those things remotely, but yeah, yeah. There's like just being able to bump into people is a big deal, a real big deal. What's that called? Is there some sort of effect, like, right? Or there's some kind know. of theory? Serendipity. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Isn't there some sort of like Malcolm Gladwell, some other theory about that and whether or not like trends, like how that helps things more than, than just the obvious sort of serendipity sort of thing? Maybe not. Um, uh, I don't know the name <laughs> of that off offhand, but it probably is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, the... The thing about like people lots of times ask like what is you know what is the thing that's going to really um, make the t- uh, like the tech scene better and I- I've always been like just create more density like and that has nothing to do with specifically with tech but just if there's ways to you know put more bars or something like that in a given area or just kind of like somehow like uh, Greg Hoy had the amazing idea that that um, I'm sure other people's shared that which was shut down sansom street and just make it a pedestrian thoroughfare and just put ton like just make it dense um i thought that was a great idea because like you just you can you could do so many things uh like and when you look at these these other cities that really have these like these tech scenes that are like so big it's just like they're very dense cities 
you know, you, you look at New York, you look at uh, San Francisco, and, like, they're super, super dense. And, and you have people living on top of each other. And when it's like that, you it's it's you, people are just closer. Like, the proximity is, is literally closer. And I think that plays a part. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we keep talking about this, but, like, we me and Dan went to some bar in the mission in san francisco and every single person in there wanted to talk about their their facebook job every single person now that sounds awful (laughs) that's annoying it is it is but if you're somebody that's starting a company that's like that's you need that like or at least maybe you don't need it but it it can't hurt it can't hurt to have a whole bunch of people that know exactly your plight um yeah, yeah we I, have that whole, I mean, this is what, like, what Reddit co-founder, like, Alexis Ohanian said, like, there's a monoculture that, like, happens in Silicon Valley or, like, I guess to some extent Manhattan, which I think is, like, an advantage of being in these, like, rise of the rest tech scenes like Philly, where it's, like, you're you're not surrounded by just, like, thousands of people who want to talk about, who only yeah. want to talk about, like, consumer tech. Yeah, like especially with the consumer stuff, and it it almost it in hindsight, like it kind of baffles me that anyone wants to go into like trying to make some app that they want a whole bunch of people that don't aren't going to pay for it to use. Like that just seems like such a a pain, and like it seems just so hard to do. But when you think about it, you try to do that in a city like Philadelphia where people just don't get it immediately. So like, it it that makes it really difficult. But if you go over to some of these other places. There's, the density is so high, people will just start picking up this stuff. You're going to find somebody that wants to use your app, even if it sucks. And <laughs> they'll at least give you feedback. Like here, you're going to kind of hit a wall uh, pretty easy, unless it's so good and you're really, really amazing at marketing. But when you think about it, like, can you, can you name a consumer app in Philly that's, that's like really taken off? That has been so you got your Venmos of the world, which are like you know payments thing. But like I guess what I'm really talking about is is like a Twitter kind of thing or like a a Yelp. Yeah, no, there isn't like there hasn't been a straight consumer app here that has taken off. Yeah. There's like you know a company called Square Knot that wants to be like the like Philadelphia's consumer tech startup. Yeah, um, and I wish them the best. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a difficult thing to do. On that Can note, you... Matt, I want like a list of five New York tech, consumer tech startups apps that suck that people use anyway, but just later, not, not right now. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't do it right now. <laughs> do, do you, do you think that like the mammoths, I mean, like we always like talk about like the sort of like the mammoth companies that will be sort of the leaders of the industry do you think that those companies can only come from a huge tech scene because of all sort of like the inbreeding and sort of the cross pollination, like, yeah. like like the Twitters, the like the Yelps? I mean, sort of the big well, idea. Well, let's say companies, like, particularly Instagram. I mean, the guy who started Instagram was a was an ex Google guy, and um, they had something called Bourbon, which was kind of like a Yelp thing that didn't really take off. And this is in this is like in San Francisco. And then they just were like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, these filters. This looks. It makes these uh, these photos look cool. And like, I guess any, now anyone can make any kind of photo look pretty cool. And it couldn't have hurt that they like knew a bunch of Google people, that knew a bunch of uh, investors over there, that and they were in um, an area where people were just were looking to pick up every single 
mobile app that came, like that came across and like it's not it's not like they just came out of nowhere it was just somebody with a, a great idea like this the entire community the, the guy was already a major part of the community and they're in in an area uh, like that was dense enough to make that kind of like take off and it's like yeah. it's it's no surprise to me and like they know the facebook like uh, they know the facebook people uh, and then they got bought by facebook like it's not like this was just kind of like purely by chance that this company would would grow and get so big yeah i mean i think it also just takes time like to build up a tech scene so that's what like fred yeah. wilson venture capitalist up in new york said like silicon valley's tech scene has been around for like what 30 years or more now yeah, like it, yeah. and, and the, time, so yeah and uh, like we always hear like if there's a, a big exit in in philadelphia that suddenly creates a whole bunch of philadelphia millionaires that are trying to, to trying to like make other trying to fund other apps and yeah and different companies that's that's a major thing that needs to happen um plus like philly has health care like nobody's business like we there, i want to see a hundred new healthcare startups um who who do that would be a, a, a major reason why you shouldn't leave like all the healthcare companies are here um, I just I, I think it's happening. It's starting to happen. It's just that healthcare is pretty intimidating to like your college uh, kid, whereas like a consumer app is isn't that intimidating. Yeah, and it takes like less time and capital and yeah. Right. But it's also they they can also test it on their friends. It's it's like it's like sexier. Yeah. It's, it's almost yeah, it's like way sexier. <laughs> whereas healthcare. Healthcare is obviously really fascinating, but I mean, it's like, it's it's like actually testing that you probably need sort of like an in to be able, you know, it's like, Matt, remember you're doing news rounds and you were like, wow, yeah. the healthcare system seems like 15 years behind in yep. tech. And it, and it seems like that because like, um, like th- things are so tested, whether it's like the FDA or wh- whatever it is, it's like I things are I, tested so I much think- a lot of it was really like there, there's a lot of that stuff. Like maybe you have the HIPAA compliance, but back then when we were creating news rounds, uh, there was no, there was HIPAA didn't exist. So it really was more just like people did not want to take the risk on this whole internet thing. <laughs> so if they were going to build something, it was going to be to, they're going to pay a big consulting firm, a big consulting check. And they were probably going to get something that wasn't that great, but it was, you know, no one was going to get fired because they, they lost any money. Like that was the major problem. I think that like, particularly this year, I'm starting to see that lots of companies, healthcare included, but also, you know, other industries, people are just starting to get it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like people like millennials are actually turning 30 and they're moving into positions of authority in companies that are older and probably didn't take risks with technology before. And they just get it. So they'll yeah. buy this stuff, and I and I think that Philly in particular is a is a city that's full of those kinds of companies that are. And it's just like it's a gold mine, really. Uh, I think that's maybe the, the answer you're really looking for, Juliana. Is just that like, what is the next thing that people are going to go for? And it's it's the big, boring companies that need to get automated and they need to get uh, get with the times. And I think that they now have people that are in authority positions that can make it happen. Whereas they didn't in the past. Yeah. Well, we've seen like 
Penn Medicine and Independence Blue Cross partner up with Dream Adventures, which is yep. like an accelerator here to yep. do Dream Health. So that's, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. It's a good example of that. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, well, one example that's interesting in, and we talked about VR in the last episode, is that now I have, I don't have too much sway, but I have a little bit. And um, just getting that involved in some way on every movie sort of I do, I guess, moving forward, including some that I'm working on now is a big goal of mine because, you know, the headsets are coming out in the next year, but, you know, the resolution, like the, the footage for now is sort of future proof by what you can shoot. So it's not like what you shoot now won't be relevant in a year, maybe not in five years, but in a year. And so for me, it's like suddenly everyone who's older than me is like, yeah, we need to do this. And it's like, of course, like, of course we need to do it. Of course, of course they have no idea how to do it, yeah. but, but we had, you know, maybe like behind the scenes or maybe an interactive portion. I think it's been really interesting for me to see how that people are so all about using that. Whereas even three or four months ago, people were like, what the hell is this? And so that's been a big development for me sort of in that of being able to, you know, suddenly be in charge of a few projects and say, you know, we're, we're just going to do this. Like, we're not going to throw a ton of money at it, but we're going to we're going to do this because it needs to be done. Whereas I feel like, you know, five or ten years ago, that probably wouldn't have been the case. Yeah. All right. I think we're we're at time. Um, Juliana, I, I guess we, we should wish you off. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. I'm excited to see your your article on American Greed, one of my favorite shows about the down about the downfall of white collar criminals. Although it seems like they just sort of moved on to all their their new digs, but maybe there's maybe there's a part two of your article to, to come out, like a, a retrospective, once <laughs> uh, once more shit comes out. Yeah, and I mean, if you guys know any other Philly white collar criminals in technology, you should let me know. Um. We know many, but I, but I don't think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sidebar. We'll talk to you about that. <laughs> All right. All right, Julian. All right. Thanks for coming Thanks on. so much. Thanks for listening. That was Juliana Reyes and Dan Clifton. I'm Matt Monahan signing off for the Mercenary Podcast. I uh, hope to see you again. <laughs>